0: All right, it's time to get your head right, get your game right. On today's show, we have a very special guest. This is a man with almost probably over 50 years of, of high-level baseball experience. Hope that doesn't make you feel old, Gino, but 50 years of high-level baseball experience. I have about eight, so I think uh, we have a guest with some knowledge that I can't bring to the table. Uh, he played in the big leagues. He's coached in the big leagues. He's grinded. He knows how to do it all. Today on the show, we have Gene Lamont. Gene? Pleasure to have you on, man. Uh, good to be here, Andy. Thanks. So first of all, now, right now, Gene is uh, uh, the special assistant to the GM in, in Kansas City. Uh, he's done a lot of different coaching gigs, been a manager, been a bench coach, uh, knows the game inside and out. Gene, over the last, you know, five years, I would say five, five or so years, the game's really kind of had its first evolution in quite a while. Uh, with the analytical side and some different things you know guys are talking about and the way clubs are managing teams and things of that nature what are what are some things and your thoughts on you know just kind of that process and and you being in it and seeing it day to day what's the difference really?
1: well I don't know any if there's that much a difference she you only know, talked about the analytics uh, I guess there's a place for analytics uh, the thing that I question about the analytics is how's it really helped me win a game and that's the bottom line especially in the big leagues uh does it really help you win a game uh you know i think there's so many variables that come into a player into a game that's a little hard to just say this is
0: the way it should be yeah it's tough to trump experience and for me you know when i was playing a lot of things that i learned and, you know, I didn't end up playing very long in the big leagues. But things that I was learning as I was going and maturing as a player was, were, were, were my analytics, right? It's kind of that learning where to play, guys, and learning what pitcher's on the mound and when he throws a curveball and left-handed batters versus right-handed batters. And, and I knew when guys threw up in the zone, if they had a good fastball, i need to lay off it or I was going to strike out. That was my analytic,
1: right? Well, I think you had something in your brain that kind of told you these things where I think a lot of the analytics maybe tells people who really haven't played or have the experience you had Andy, though, you know, you know, you played in the big leagues, you played quite a while. So I think it probably maybe brings something to the table for people that really haven't played because they can't add what you have stored from your experience and, and gives them a little insight to it. But I think, uh, like I said, there's so many things that happen during a game you can't judge the heart of a player Uh, you don't really know how people react in certain situations so sometimes I think
0: uh, it's a little overrated and I would have to agree with you this and here's here's my main reason for that And I have no issue with technology in the game and guys trying to get better and and doing what they think they need to do to get better because me and you both know whatever's making you confident to maximize your skill set on the field it doesn't matter if it's going to ballet class or watching your swing on film and, and doing something like that. Right. If it makes you confident going to the game to produce, do it. But for me, it was always, it broke down in my career. You know, I wasn't always the most gifted guy on the field, but I knew that even if my swing didn't feel good, or if I, you know, you have days and we have a lot of them as baseball players where I just had to compete. I had to find a way to get in there and, do something to help the team win that game.
1: Well, I think what everybody wants, what every manager wants, they, they they want a bunch of competitors, and that's uh, like you said, Andy. I mean, you were a good-looking hitter, maybe not, uh, you know, didn't have the power. Some did, but you know, you you always we always knew that when you came to a bat, you were going to compete. And you know, like you said, some days uh, you don't feel as good as you did another day, but you know, you're going to compete. And I think that that's one thing it's hard to judge and you have to you know that's one thing a manager has to find out you know just what's this guy made of And i don't know that analytics so i know they have a part in the
0: game i don't know if they can really judge that you know i think there's nothing that can judge it until you get some sample size too you know until you put a kid and that's why the minor leagues is deep right that's why baseball has developed to become a, a system that it's got a deep minor league system and And you put the guys through that kind of quote unquote grinder for a little bit and see who can come out and flush themselves out to at least get through the minor leagues. And then the big leagues, me and you both know, is a whole nother animal, right? It's a whole nother step in achieving. There's a lot more pressure there to win. There's a lot more. It's less about you. It's more about the team.
1: Well, I think once you get to the big leagues, Andy,
0: you know, you have a pretty good idea. If the guy can
1: compete in the big leagues, but like you said, once you get the big leagues, the pressure—you know, you always put pressure on yourself to do well. But just the pressure of the media, the fans—a uh, lot of times it's how, how does uh, how does this guy handle that? So, uh, the minor leagues is the best way. And I, you know, what I always say about—I think—the better the player, the better the analytics are. <laughs> Real good players make analytics look good.
0: Yeah, it's funny. I always go back with the – I'd never see him do the launch angle on, the on. you know, the guy who got completely blown up, his back goes flying, and he he nubbed one back to the pitcher. They never do the launch angle on that. They always do it on the perfect swing on the bad pitch of the home run, right?
1: Well, I, I kind of – you know, when I first went to the Tigers, and this was 2006, Donnie Slot was our hitting uh, – coach and Donnie showed all sorts of pictures where everybody swings up a little bit. And mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, I think the launch angle is probably good for some players, but I think if, if you don't have power, I, I don't really see where you want to be swinging up too much. Cause you're going to hit fly balls in the middle of the field and they're going to catch fly balls. And, you know, I think some, sometime we're going to have to, we're going to have to stop all the strikeouts. And I think that surely leads to more strikeouts. I I just think that teams are going to have to get back to, uh, instead of waiting for a three run home run, you know, along the line somewhere down there, there's a time where you move a runner over and maybe you'll win a close game. I mean, Mm -hmm. everybody likes the home runs, but the bottom line is you got to win games and you know, that's the kind of players you want guys that help you win games
0: it's all about winning. I mean, it's inevitable. And this is what I think a lot of people and us as players and going through the minor leagues, guys get it a little bit twisted, you know, because in the minor leagues, you get the AAA a guys who are just bitter because they see so-and-so struggling a little bit in the big leagues and they think they should be there. Right. But what they, what they don't understand is there's a whole organization of very experienced people and baseball savvy people. They want to win games. Now, Sometimes they might want to win games two years from now, but they're planning on let's win games two years from now. You know, they call it the rebuild, right? To where maybe a guy might produce a little bit better, but we need to get this guy some experience, whatever it is. But at the end of the day, it's about winning the games. And you're just trying to put the guys in the positions to win the games.
1: Well, I think, yeah, there are probably some, a few players in AAA maybe should be in the big leagues, but not very many because, Teams, like you said, they want to win games and they try to get their best players there. Sometimes, what you know, what goes on today with the uh, uh, service time, they might be there a little longer, maybe than they they would have been. Uh, we, we never did that in Detroit. You know, Dave Dombrowski, Alavila. Uh, when guys are ready to come to play in the big leagues to help our big league teams, we brought them. Mm-hmm. And I, I understand why teams do it today. But overall, like you said. Teams want to get you the big leagues to help them win games because that's the bottom line.
0: Let's get in your bread and butter, which is managing and coaching. You know, you've spent – you've watched more games from a big league dugout and been involved in the managerial side way more than most. So, break it down, you know, throughout a day, uh, and people are going to love to hear about your time with Skip. Like, what was the day and your conversations like with Skip going into – say, uh, you know, a day game, just a regular baseball game against the White Sox on on a Saturday evening?
1: Well, I think the first – you know, it's a little different the first time, you know, the first game of the, of the series. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, just like – you know, you got diff- we had some different meetings then. But we had a pretty good line, especially on the teams like the White Sox because we played them so much. But, mm-hmm. you know, Jim always went over – you know, we talked. He talked to the pitching coach about how we were going to handle the, the – uh uh, pitching uh, the pitching rotation, and you know you, you have to figure out the toughest inning probably is the sixth and seventh inning because seventh eighth and ninth inning you probably have you know kind of scripted I guess you'd say how you're going to handle it, but you also have to look if we get in trouble early, what are we going to do? Mm-hmm. You know, if we if we get if we have a lead and then we get in trouble, who are we going to use? So you really, to me, you know I see a lot of managers look at their scorecard. Well, I don't think if Jim looked at his scorecard, it wasn't to really uh, look at the names. He, he knew what he was going to do. I think you should have that before the game starts. If the pitcher gives you six or seven innings, you know what you're going to do. Uh, if he gives you eight, for sure, you know what you're going to do. And But if he gets in trouble, you have to know exactly what you're going to do. And and usually Jim let the, the uh, bullpen know what he would do.
0: Yeah, and he always stood by what he did too. That was it was never that it was never the panic mode. Oh wait, maybe he's not the right guy. You know, he had confidence when when he made his decision, he put him out there and let him roll, you know, when you guys discussed it, okay, this is who's coming in whether it was Percy and and he gets shelled or whatever happened, you know, and and one of the best things I liked about the coaching staff we had in Detroit is you guys owned it. Like if if something went bad, it was always like, yep, we screwed that one up but we'll get them tomorrow. You know what I mean? It wasn't ever like, well, you know, this and that and this. It was straight to the point. It didn't work out. <laughs> Sometimes it doesn't. and Let's get after it tomorrow.
1: Well, you know, I, I think nobody likes excuses. You know, you can always make an excuse. Uh, you know, some days you you do things right and it doesn't work out. Other days you might make a, a mistake, and but, but it works out. Uh, mm-hmm. But like I said, Jim always, uh, he was really prepared. Uh, didn't have a lot of meetings, but knew exactly what he wanted to do. And I think the the players knew that Jim had their welfare at heart, and he knew what he was doing.
0: Yeah, you two as a combo had more baseball experience when I was there than I think most young players have to the advantage when they go to the big leagues. You know, and it was a little bit. It's always a little bit fo- uh, trial by fire, but also uh, you know letting me play, which I always appreciated. But you know, if you saw something, you'd point it out. But it was think, it was yeah, always guy, guy, something guys
1: big. Guys need a chance to play, and you know it's a little tough when you're supposed to a team that's supposed to win games to give players a real long look uh to see if they can do it. It's easier probably to develop a player uh on a team that isn't supposed to win. Because when you're you know, you can't send a, a starting pitcher out there for about seven starts if you're a team that's really supposed to be good. Uh, so it's probably easier. But now in Detroit, you know, when we went there, we didn't think we were going to be good right away, but we were, we were lucky really. Cause we had Verlander, you know, mm-hmm. Verlander was just a special, he looked special. and he's He's proven that he is. So give guys a chance. I think Jim, Jim always, the first year we went there, he had Zami and Verlander and going into spring training. I don't think people thought they'd make the team, but Jim said he right then he'd take, uh, ability over experience
0: yeah yeah there is a time where you know if the ability is there and i know you've said this before you're not going to win if you don't have good players you you do have to have good players to win ball games now if you get the right amount of you know maybe experience and the young talent and some different things then you can come up with a really special team but without the players it doesn't matter you're you're not going to be able to compete
1: no you you have
0: to have good players i mean you have to have superstars? No, but you
1: have to have good players. And you have to, you know, you have to look at the makeup of your team. Uh, what do you need? What do you need to, to really succeed? And I think Jim really, Jim and Dave Dombrowski were really, really good along those lines because, you know, Dave listened to Jim. though Dave had the final say of uh, who was going to be on the team. But he listened to Jim and, you know, and they, they got along great. and I think it was, it was a great relationship.
0: Yeah, and it. it made for a lot of winning baseball. I know in Detroit, they wish they had it back, but that's that's the city of Detroit, right? Uh, well, you know, but,
1: when we went there in 06, you know, the team was really down. And, you know, what what it kind of became, it kind of became the thing to do is go, go to the, Pir- the Tiger game. And that's what you, uh, what the Tigers have to get back. You know, we're they're going to lose some attendance. You know, they did last year, and they're probably going to lose some more. But eventually, you have to put a winning team out there and hopefully the fans come back.
0: Yeah, Detroit's pretty deep-rooted in sports. You know, having four major teams here, everybody here loves their Tigers. But at the same time, if you don't have a winning club, you're not going to get people out. I remember playing in Kansas City in 2011, and then when you play in Kansas City in 2014, it's a whole different atmosphere, right?
1: Well, yeah, you're, you're right. Uh, nothing brings the fans out like a winning team. You know, you, I, I, you, know, you do worry a little bit of like some places. You know, Cleveland was just – on top of the world, and then they, they went down, and they lost their fan base, and now they've become a very, very good team, and they haven't quite got them back. So you worry about that a little bit. Teams like that.
0: When you are managing, and you managed uh, yourself three, what, is, how many years you managed there? About six or seven.
1: Yeah, I managed uh, three and some and change in Chicago, and in four in uh, Pittsburgh.
0: So, you got the American League and National League side of it. What is the main difference there? Because, like, when I we'd go play National League ballparks, I didn't have a clue what was going on. They're like, double switch here, and you guys were on it because, you know, you both have come from that background. And I'm like, I'm just going where they tell me because, I don't know, the pitcher came out. Next thing I know, I'm in right field, but somebody else is hitting. And <laughs> what's what's the biggest difference in the two leagues?
1: Well, the DH is definitely the biggest difference, Andy, but – I personally think the pitching is a little harder to handle in the American League. The reason is you have to decide more often as your starting pitcher lost stuff because in the National League, it's dictated if you're behind in the seventh inning and by a run or two, you almost have to pinch hit where in the American League, you can just let it ride a little bit. Uh, that's the biggest difference. Uh, I like the National League game, but I'll be truthful, I think, we should go both to the designated hitter because that's, that's the game people know nowadays. Yeah. You know, that they know that the DH, we need some more offense in the game. Uh, I do think that when the American league teams go to play the national league teams, I think the national league teams have too big of an advantage because our guys haven't hit. And I, I, the the American league teams haven't hit. I think there's a uh, injury factor, maybe hitting, or even get pitchers getting on base and sliding. So uh, I I don't know if it's going to happen, but I do think both leagues should be the
0: same And right now. I'd say we should both DH. Yeah. And it's really, it's really not good because when in the American league, you structure your team around a DH. So you buy a big bat and you pay him a lot of money to go hit. Right. Then you go into a national league ballpark and he's either got to play first base or sit on the bench.
1: Yeah. It was tough. We know we had, we had Victor, you know, It it was tough for us. Uh, and I, th- I think probably the other, the, the National League might say, well, we don't really have a, a true DH, and that's probably true. You know, so there's uh, both ways. I, I just feel that the American League hit- pitchers haven't bunted even. You, know, you, yeah. you work on it some, you try to do it, and maybe one, one out of the four guys is, is, is pretty good. So uh, I, I don't think it's probably going to happen, but I would like them to see both go the same.
0: Well, and the way – it, you know, we get rid of the crash play at home. We're doing things to get smarter about protecting star players who bring fans in and people want to watch. And then you get a guy that's worth $20 million a year up there hitting, and it, he's getting paid to pitch. That doesn't make sense. well <laughs> no,
1: especially when he hasn't hit all year, you know. Yeah, so, one and, pitch hits yeah. you in the wrong spot, and you're on the DL, you know. Yeah, you're you're butting and hit you on the finger or something. So, uh it's something that sounds kind of simple, maybe change, but evidently it's not that that simple because it's been, we've had it since 1974.
0: Yeah, and traditions, you know, and traditions in baseball are strong, and it's part of the part of the lure of the game. I think you know, people baseball's been around for a long time, and I love the game and the way it's played, and it's always amazing that the athletes get better, but the dimensions still work. You know, a guy, no matter how fast guys get, guys still throw it to first base and get guys out on ground balls. Yeah, no matter that, how that,
1: that ninety foot gets you, I, I you know one thing I do think Andy, and I've said this and I've heard a lot of guys say it. I think when the American League teams go to play the National League teams, I think we should DH so the National League fans see what the DH is like, and when the National League teams come to the American League teams, we should we should uh, have the pitcher hit so the American League fans see what the pitcher hitting's like. I think they should. If they're not going to change the whole thing, I think that'd be a, a good way to change some things.
0: I love that idea. I think that, that brings a whole other fun aspect to it, too. And, and like you said, the fans get to see Justin Verlander hit and see if they like that or not, and then, and then they all cringe whenever he gets beaned in the shoulder and they're like, this is stupid, you know. I, I, for me and, and us as hitters, you know, we always trash dog the pitchers. Oh, you know, pitchers can't hit, blah, blah, blah. But, like you said, if you're taking BP every day and you're, and you're hitting in games once every week, you have a better chance of getting a hit. You just do. Where our guys, you know, they would step in the box and not have swung a bat in it two years, and they're facing Clayton Kershaw. Like, that's zero chance.
1: Yeah, that'd be a little scary for me if I was a especially.
0: <laughs> and the thing is, today,
1: as we get further along, some of these pitchers have never hit because they – dh in high school they dh in in uh college i think a lot of probably in high school a lot of them were real good hitters so they hit Uh but there's some guys that never have hit and and uh, like you say to face some wild guy or clayton kershaw or justin would be tough
0: so moving forward your career has been phenomenal a lot of baseball a lot of traveling that people don't understand basically you've been on the road your entire life right What's- well
1: I've, yeah I, I've, I've you know last last year and you're coming up not quite as much but you know Andy, it's something you get used to you know my my family's used to it uh they love the game so it's uh it's just something you get used to you know some guys don't like it I, I guess I love the game so much that you put up with some of the, the, the other things
0: yeah, and the, the hotels in the big leagues aren't too bad and the food's pretty good too. That's what what the biggest difference people ask me, what's the biggest difference off the field in the in between the minor leagues and the big leagues? I'm like, Well, you got fans who like you. You had some fans in Triple A, but the hotels and the food are great. <laughs> like we went from eating I was eating McDonald's cheeseburgers to catered in, you know, Capitol Grill and Filet Mignon.
1: Well, it, it, it's that's different. That long plus it's a little easier getting on that charter flight and, uh, <laughs> somewhere and somebody, ha- somebody you you really don't have to handle your bag so you get spoiled in the big leagues I see it now Andy I get on the commercial flights and uh, got to pick my bag up get my rent a car get my uh, bags it, it's much different so you can you can get spoiled in the big leagues that's for certain
0: so throughout your career, staying humble and, and understanding like, OK, because you had your, your years as uh, as the big league manager and then you then you had the role as uh, the bench coach in Detroit and you coached third base and you did a lot of things there. What was 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 there ever a point where you were like, man, I want to really be uh, the manager again? Or did you figure out that, you know, my role here and the way we all fit together is the best for me in my career coaching wise?
1: Well, you know, I really like coaching third base. I like coaching third base. When I did bench coach, but I just got so I didn't see quite as well, and I didn't want to get hit by a line drive in the head, you know. Uh, but yeah, there was. I'll, I'll be truthful, Andy. When I I thought I had a real good chance to get the uh, uh, Boston job one year, and didn't get it, and that really uh, I guess it stuck with me. The fact that I still had a good job made it a lot easier, a lot easier to to take, but. I, you know, I do. I'll be truthful. Shoot. I'm 72 years old and I still like to manage in the big leagues. Shoot. I wouldn't even mind managing the minor leagues if you if you didn't have to go through all the buses and everything.
0: Yeah. So really the passion of the game preceded some of the stuff because what a lot of people don't realize is when guys get a job like you got or you've had in the past, it takes a long time to get there. It's not like some, some people in today's game, you know, they've gotten there quicker, but like for you and for uh, Jim and a lot of guys, I mean, you, you grinded it out through the minor leagues, worked into the big leagues. And like you said, man, I'd love to have that managing job, but I still got a good job. And, and, and lean back on, you know, I got a ton of experience. What more do you want from me? I can see where that could be a little, a little tricky to navigate. Right.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I think nowadays you know, i managed eight years in the minors. And I, I still think that's probably
0: what really w- was best for me. You know, the coaching
1: under Jim was great, but the managing the minors I think really helped me. I think it's probably a little tough on some guys today, <clears throat> excuse me, who are grinding out in the minor leagues, uh learning to manage in the minors, and then they, you know, bring guys who've never really managed. I, 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 I do know that if I was one of those guys that that would probably really eat at me, but but you know, that's what looks like the way it's gonna be.
0: So from playing to managing you know, when you, when you have to make the switch or you decide to go the coaching route. Uh, I think as players, we all think we'd make great managers, but truth be told, there's a lot more that goes into it. A lot more of the behind the scenes stuff. What are some of those things behind the scenes that when you started managing or throughout your coaching career, like you found were important that you didn't even know existed when you were playing?
1: Well, you have to make so many reports is one thing, Andy, as a minor league manager and you're, you know, you handle, and when I was there, I didn't have a coach or anything. I was all by myself, and I had to handle everything. You know, uh, I didn't drive the bus or anything, but, uh, you know, I threw an awful lot of BP, probably an hour of batting practice a day, but it wasn't something that that I didn't like. You know, I, I enjoyed it. I loved, I loved the minor leagues, to be truthful, but I'm surely glad that after eight years, I graduated to, to, to coach in the big leagues with Jim.
0: And when you get to the, back to the big leagues, you know, because you played in the big leagues for parts of like five seasons, but when you get back to the big leagues uh, and you, and you put on that big league uniform again, what, what's the difference as a player and as a coach? Because I always wondered that, you know, I know guys uh, that have played, then they go coach, but you get back to the big leagues and you put the uniform on and now, you know, you're the coach in the big leagues. What's the difference in like attitude towards the game?
1: Well, I think you've looked at it differently because you know, you've been in the minor leagues, you've been, you've been at it, uh, but you're still excited to get back. I'll be truthful. you probably one of the more nervous times I've had, and I was a little nervous before every game, playing or coaching or managing, was when I, my first uh, time I coached third base in the big leagues back with, with, uh, with the Pirates. So it's, it's a thrill to get back. You know, you're lucky that you played. Uh, now you just want to do the best you can as a coach or a manager whatever it might be
0: whenever whenever you're coaching third base and Leland's throwing in some signs and he wants you to do some stuff were, was there ever a time you got it wrong
1: yeah I probably not not very often, with Jim because Andy I could almost you know I got to know Jim so well that I could almost uh predict what he was going to do so it was something that I knew he might want to set up a hit and run so the the pitch he gave, the sign he gave me before, was close to the hit and run, but it wasn't the hit and run. So I, from that, you kind of uh, mm. get a feeling that well, he he might want to hit and run in the next pitch. Now, uh, suicide squeeze, which we didn't do a lot, every once in a while, those would fool me. But you get to know uh, when Jim wanted to do that also.
0: When uh, I, and this is something for any of you coaches and managers, you know the simplistic approach a lot of times is the best for players. Uh, I see a lot of the college guys, you know, they're throwing signs into the catcher and, and they're trying to manage every single aspect of the game, right? As opposed to letting your players play and then trying to put them in, in positions to succeed. A good example would be, well, I'd be in the, uh, getting ready to go up, you know, we'd come back in and I'd be on deck second hitter that inning and Skip would be like, hey, Dirksy, he gets on first, first pitch hit and run. Like no sign needed, no nothing. Right. He yeah. just, he like we just know, okay, if Austin or whoever was hitting in front of me gets on first base, the first pitch is a hit and run. And he knew me as a hitter. If I was starting to struggle a little bit, he knew that the quickest way to get me out of my head is give me the freedom to go up there and hack at something. And I don't right, know yeah. he, he, he he had to have known that about me.
1: Really probably that he probably afraid you're gonna miss the sign, really. But <laughs> <laughs> no but you know, I think I always – the sign I give to the hitters when I was coaching the third is you want to make them tough enough so the opposition can't steal them, but you also have to make sure that they're not so tough that your your hitters can't get them because the job of a third-base coach is make sure that th- your hitters get the signs. You know,
0: if they miss them well,
1: you take it personally. you got to make sure that they have the signs.
0: Knowing when to wave a guy home is – you know, one of those things, because that's really the point as any baseball player. I always tell young kids, the ball's going to tell you what to do a lot of times. You know, if you're hitting and, and you're looking at the defense and different things. But me and you both know there's times that guys don't have a clue what's going on. And then you're looking at your runner. I'm sure there's always a game you're playing in your head. OK, if if I know this guy at second, if it's Victor, he's not as fast as if it's Andy and this and that. But what are some cues that would allow you to be confident when to send guys and when not to?
1: Well, one, one thing, Andy, that and I always tried to impress upon, guys, and I tell them in the spring training, every time the ball is hit, give me 100%. You know, if, if I don't have to read into the equation, is this guy running as hard as he can, it makes it a lot easier. But, you know, you you, you know the outfield arms. You look at him. You, you try to keep, as a third base coach, you should keep track of where the players are feeling. Are they playing deep? Are they playing shallow? And then you get an idea. You, and the situation of the game, you know, two outs, you're going to a lot of times make them throw you out them. I mean, you don't want to get thrown out by 20 feet. But if it's a, with, with two outs, if it's pretty much bang, bang, home plate. If you think it's going to be bang, bang, you're pretty much going to send them. Depend a little bit on the score.
0: Yeah, so score plays into it. How many outs plays into it? So as a third base coach, pay attention to what's going on. Right. Because you do see times and and I see guys that they get stiff over at third and they're very nervous. And this is one thing that third base coaches, I think, struggle with the most is knowing when to do that. Right. When to wave them, because I've seen third base coaches stop guys. And it's always that split second judgment call. And it's either you're either going to get cheered or booed because that's going to be on you. If the guy gets thrown out at home. Well, you know, and if, if it wasn't a perfect throw, hey, that's on Lamont. Right. You so know, Mark, yeah
1: you 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 accept that as a third base coach. I think uh, you just one thing I, Ray Miller used to say this who was our pitching coach with uh, uh Pittsburgh he says the worst day of, of the spring training for for a third base coach is photo day because if you got your photo in the paper, it's because you screwed up. So <laughs> you never like you never like that.
0: Yeah, there, you don't. It's one of those places you don't get you don't get the love, but you'll get the hate. Right?
1: That's about right. That's that's for sure. But like I said, I loved coaching third base. Uh, I do know that if I was a minor league manager, I'd surely want to coach third base.
0: How many scary guys did you have when you're coaching third base that you're like I'm scared right now? Because people don't realize how hard those balls get hit down there sometimes, and me being young and athletic and creeping in there and I wasn't scared, but I've had some very, very close calls with balls that get hit right down that line.
1: So what's going
0: through your head when, when Gary Sheffield or somebody like that came to the plate?
1: Yeah. Gary was probably the one, but you know, when we got chef, he wasn't quite as quick as he was, you know, when he was younger, but uh, Mm -hmm. he scared you a little bit though. You know, you, you know, darn well that if it comes right at you and, and the one thing is you're standing kind of sideways and you don't really, you know, have a good, I don't know, if depth perception or what it might be is to get out of the way. And I've got hit a few times. I got hit, did get hit once in the leg in, in Colorado by Jeff King. And it's, it's still kind of numb down there uh, between my ankle and my knee. But, you know, you you can't worry about it. I see guys get so far away now, I, I think they're out of position as to when, when they have to make a decision. So I think you have to watch
0: that too. Yeah. Tough call because you definitely don't want to get hit by a baseball hit by some of these big guys.
1: No, you know, when I first had to put that helmet on, I thought it was kind of dumb. But as you get a little older, you think, well, this is pretty
0: good having this helmet on. <laughs> yeah. maybe, maybe you want to flap. Well, and as you get older, you know, your your physical abilities aren't as valuable anymore. It's all what's in between the ears, man. Well, you got to protect that.
1: Yeah, we, yeah, you got to
0: make sure you're in the head. But, you know, you might say move, but it doesn't happen as quickly as you used to. <laughs> So, young players, young players, you know, we get a lot of people. And a lot of the stuff I do now is, is more around the youth side and, and try, how to try to put them in more of a mental position to succeed, right? And I see a lot of the young kids and, and going after the baseball dream like we all did growing up and, and being honest with yourself. What can I really achieve? And I always try to tell them, you know, there's a point where your skill set's going to matter. But all you really need to do is just go out there and try to play the best uh, to the best of your ability, as cliche as it sounds. What are some things uh, for the young kids you know, that, that might have some serious ability and thinking about you know, the possible draft, whether it's out of college or high school, that they could latch on to maybe going through that, that, that whole system and try to get to the big league?
1: Well, you know, it's a little different now, I think, what kids, what kids go through. You know, when I when I was growing up, shoot, we 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 played you know all, all the sports. I think we're probably a little bit too much now, just to one sport. Most everybody, you know, mm-hmm. but you know, I think you just you got to tell yourself, you know, there's going to be some bad days. It's not all going to be uh, it's not going to be good every day. So you just have to make sure that you're ready every day and try to improve every day. Just like you know, it's it's not
0: unlike it is in the minor leagues, really, Andy. Yeah. Yeah, you got to learn. This is one thing that's different for me. When I went, and I was lucky enough to play quite a bit of college during the summer portion of the year. But when you get into pro ball, what I see most guys fall at the first thing that's going to fail is the everyday because it's everyday. Like it's not you know okay we have we play three games on the weekend and then that then we have a few days off. It's every single day you have to strap them on and find a way to compete right. And I'd say that's for most guys the number one thing that's kind of like that. Everybody's excited when they first start. Everybody's pumped up, and you get to game twenty, then you get to game fifty, then you get to game eighty. That's where it's kind of like, wow, this is we're still here, you know? We're we're only halfway done, so it's it's tough to keep your mind focused on when I don't want to play, or when I when when it's not I don't feel good or whatever to strap it on and get out there and still compete. And that's really what separates some of the talent because everybody's talented when they hit a certain level. But I think that's one of the things that kind of separated me is every day I went out and I played regardless of how I felt. Well, it, it's a grind. I, I think people don't realize just how tough it is,
1: especially in the minor leagues. But I, I think what happens sometimes, Andy, I think that players nowadays think, well, I'm supposed to be getting tired. You you have to fight it. You have to fight it mentally. It's Is it a physical thing? Yeah, it is. But I think being tired and not being ready to strap on every day is, is more of a mental thing. You know, you just mind over matter, I guess you'd say. And uh, that's one thing I hear. I know college guys say it's a little different. You know, we, uh, you get in this pro ball and boy, you got a good pitcher every night. You know, you're not, it's not just on Friday night and Saturday. It's every night of the week. And uh, that's one thing I think when you get in a pro ball, especially you have to be, you have to be ready for that. And, and some, players probably handle it better than other guys.
0: When, and that just brought up something that I remember over and over. Every level I went up, it was harder when you were going bad to get going right again. And it's just because the pitchers are all better. You don't get that. You know, in college, oh, you know, you didn't do good Friday night, and that guy's a buzzsaw, and he's going to be a first-round draft pick. But the Saturday guy is not as good, and then the Sunday guy is not as good. You know? Then you yeah. get the pro ball, and it's like every guy you're facing can right. get you out. And that's where that's where the separator is, as far as the competition mode goes for me.
1: Yeah, I, I'm I'm sure that's true, especially like you see with the in the college. The the thing I think with when guys go bad, you just have to see you accept it, but you just have to battle and battle. Them. The I think the stronger mental guys are strong mentally. They don't let it you know, get as you know, the streaks get as long. If you believe in your ability, you know you're going to come out now. If you're not sure if you're going to hit or not, well, a lot of times that compounds the uh, problem
0: and the, and the streaks last real long. And then you get guys in your ear telling you, well, it's because your swing path is doing this and your, your mechanics are off here and you need to get your foot down earlier. And this is stuff that I had to battle all the time. You know, it, it's not only inside myself, which is the biggest battle I think we all have, but it's also learning which outside sources you should listen to and which ones you shouldn't you know and well, that's part of that's that's a tough road to navigate
1: well i think as you play the longer you play you get to know your swing and and you know what the problem is mm-hmm. i mean it's and sometimes it's just uh you just you they're pitching you tougher you know you just you can go through a week where you don't really get a good pitch to hit and it, it, it's tough uh but like you like you say you you, you know yourself and and mentally If you believe in yourself, you'll come out of it, and then hopefully get real hot when you do.
0: Yeah, we got to ride those hot streaks as long as possible for all you young guys. When you are hot, don't get arrogant and don't get cocky because it's okay. You want to be confident with it, but I see too many times the guy's hot, he's on cloud nine, he thinks he's God's gift to baseball, and what happens is when he starts struggling, he's in the dungeon. He's, He's cried himself to sleep at night, He's so high, and then when he spikes, he goes so low, and then he's so high, and then so low. Well, like you said earlier, you want the player as managers that can just be consistent over the long haul.
1: Yeah, you don't want your peaks and valleys. You know, you there can't be t- too much of a difference with them because you just, uh, you know, you get in trouble. So, uh, like you said, when you when you're going real good, you just got to have the same demeanor that you do when you're going bad. And you know, if you're when you're going bad, if you're crying about this, crying about that, nope, nobody wants to hear it. Nobody's going to feel sorry for you. So just go out there every day, ready to play, and you know, those are the kind of guys that you want in the big leagues. And you know, the last thing to come really for real good players and pitchers is consistency, and that—that's part of it.
0: Yeah, it's good stuff. So everybody listening, this is Gene Lamont. He's not on social media, but you can Google him. He'll be—he's uh, in Kansas City. Uh, he's the special assistant to the GM there. What's Kansas City baseball looking like this year?
1: Well, you know, we're kind of rebuilding, but we think, you know, I think we've got some pretty good young players, and, and but truthfully, I'm, I'm with the Royals some. I'm probably going to be more looking at the minor league players and mm-hmm. uh, see so, and, and I enjoy that. You know, I like going, I came to Detroit a couple of times last year because I just wanted to go there, and uh, but, you know, I've seen enough big league games. I like to w- watch the younger kids, and you know, I think if you watch them in April, if, if they've got a lot better in August, then that's, that's what you need to do. And we think we, we had a real good draft last year and I think the year before. So uh, we're down a little bit now, uh, but hopefully it won't last too long.
0: So being from Kansas, and I got all my buddies in Kansas, they want the Royals to do good. And I want the Royals to do good. That was my team growing up. And obviously now I'm a Tiger, just uh, being as I played for them and, and, and I still live in the city and I like tiger baseball. But if you can get those Royals back on track, I know a lot of people back home would appreciate it whenever it comes to understanding for fans that there's only so much you can do in a given amount of time, whenever you're trying to rebuild an organization or do some different stuff, how, how much patience should fans have with that?
1: Well, I think the Kansas city fans know because you know, they went through a rebuilding thing before, Mm -hmm. uh, and they are very, very patient. And, of course, they got the World Series and lost, and then what? the World Series and won. Uh, hopefully it won't last quite as long this time. Uh, but they are very patient. You know, the, the Kansas City fans are, are great fans, a great ballpark to go to. Uh, and I was really impressed with them last year when I went out there. Is a, as a coach, you see a little different. They're a manager. But when I went there last last summer, could see that, you know, the team was down, but the fans were still very passionate and came out the park. I was impressed.
0: What's the difference between a team that's rebuilding and a team that just sucks? Because <laughs> that's what people keep asking me about the Tigers, right? And that's why well, I'm like, are we a team that's real rebuilding or are we just going to be a team that sucks for a while?
1: Well, I think if you're rebuilding and you're going to have to give some young players a chance to play, you know, you're going to have to give some young pitchers a chance to go out there and see how good they are. Uh and I know the Tigers, you know, made some trades. They have some good young players. Uh, it won't be easy, but, you know, I'm sure that Al Avila and his staff, they'll get them back going. That uh, should be, you know, it'll be interesting. It, it, like I said, it's never easy. But, uh, you know, they have they have some good, good young
0: players. Yeah. And a lot of what we've seen now is teams, they drafted well, you know, three years ago, four years ago some guys came up through the minor leagues together. They make some key moves uh, in contention time and they end up in the playoffs and make it a run for a year or two. And then it kind of goes back to those guys now are out of arbitration. And then they're getting, you know, they got big contracts and you can only keep so many guys with big contracts. And then it's kind of like restart the phase over. Right.
1: Well, it kind of happens like that. I guess the big market teams that
0: have all kinds of
1: money to spend. You know, they can do that, but you know, yeah. To me, if you've got a chance to win, you got to go for it. it. Doesn't happen that often, you know.
0: So whenever yeah, you look. get a chance to win, put the hammer down and get after it. And and for anybody, all you kids and coaches and any, everybody listening, that goes in life too. You know, you only get so many opportunities. And and I remember Glennysell uh, w- uh, when I was young in the minor leagues with the Tigers. He said, your big league window, he opened his hands up, and then he smashed them closed. He said, it's about that big. You know, whether or not when you, you're going to get there, you might get there, and when you do, it's open and it's closed. So, when you're there, go and get it, you know. And, and that always stuck with me to a point, that, and it kind of translates to life, too. You only get so many opportunities to do things, and that window can shut quickly. So, you might as well get after it and enjoy it while you're doing it. Well, you know, that one thing that can
1: really, – I'm not even sure what you heard that they were – in the World Series, and then next year, they won the World Series. And I think, you know, for a couple of years there, you know, they had Hosmer and those guys, uh, Moustakis um, and and Kane, and, and, you know, I think a lot of teams probably would have just traded those guys. But I think, but Dayton Moore, I think he thought he owed it to the players, owed it to the fans. They still thought he had a chance to win, though they didn't win. I, I think I like that person. I, I, do I like team rebuilding? Yes. But, you know, we can't have too many teams in baseball. that are just saying we're, we're going to lose. That, that's no good for baseball, I don't think.
0: No. Yeah, that's, and that's the competitive nature, I think, the spirit of what we're trying to accomplish, which we talked about earlier, is, hey, we're out here to win games. You know, and if, if you are if you concede to a 100-loss season, I mean, that's tough. That's tough for fans to take. That's tough for baseball to take. We're we're in the, it's the big leagues, you know. It's the best supposed to be the best of the best. Like we need to uh, try to you know get out and win some games, regardless of the circumstance. No, that, that's right. You know, I know we lost 100
1: games last year. We we're going to draft second. We had a we didn't play well,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: we, we won't do that again. I, I'm, I'm I'm sure we will improve enough. We got better towards the end of the season. We we've, we've got a lot of speed. We got a I think a superstar in the making in in our uh uh, aldoberto mondesi so it should be we we think that uh we'll get better fairly quick will it be next year that we're ready to condemn Uh, more than likely not but it won't be in the too distant future i don't believe
0: just keep getting better on a daily basis gene thank you so much for your time this is andy dirks on the get your game right podcast you can hit us at andy dirks baseball uh, on instagram Let us know uh, if you have any questions about this episode. Just hit me with some direct messages. Gene, thank you so much for your time. Your knowledge is outstanding, and best of luck to you in the future, my man. Yeah, I enjoyed it, Andy. I learned something about podcasts today. (laughs) So Gene had a little bit of trouble getting on, but like anything, where there's a will, there's a way, and my man took care of it. All right. Thanks, Andy. Thanks, Gene. Okay.